Hey folks, and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. My name is Aid. This is show number 46. And I am here this evening recording, as always, with my good buddy and photography partner in crime, Graham. How you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, thank you, Aid. I am feeling slightly sick because I've been stuffing my fat face with Easter eggs for most of the last couple of days. Um, uh, it is the season to eat chocolate, and I have been doing that with great, great gusto, but I'm now feeling a little bit the worse for wear from it. You know, I'm that, like that as well. I mean, I don't eat a huge amount of chocolate anyway, so it's complete overkill for me. Um, I also had to tell my kids um, that the Easter bunny didn't deliver their Easter eggs. For some reason, they'd got it into their head that the Easter bunny brings the Easter eggs, a bit like Santa brings the presents. Um, so that was one thing I had to tell them yesterday morning. Uh, they took it okay. They weren't that. Uh, uh, they were just quite pleased and grateful that we'd bought them Easter eggs. Okay, I mean, I, I have to ask, because I mean, to be honest, my understanding of the Easter Bunny, uh, and you're breaking my heart a bit to tell me that this isn't the case, but I thought that the Easter Bunny te- was the one that brought Easter eggs. Is that not his role in life? I don't know, mate. If not I... that, then what? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I went to a Catholic school. It was, Easter wasn't really about chocolate. <laughs> Uh, have, uh, okay, so uh, next follow-up question. Have you given them the bad news about Father Christmas yet? No, no. Uh, we were a couple of years away from that. Yeah, they're, they're too young for that yet. And <laughs> also, I'm not sure that actually you really want to confirm it. I think sometimes these things are best left for them to to uh, to to a work out for themselves and b never really be quite sure, you know, or at least never have their parents confirm it. You, you make it sound like you're still not quite sure, right? No, it's more that I'm remembering the time <laughs> when many years after I'd stopped believing in Father Christmas, my mum actually confirmed that she'd been doing it for the last few years. I must have been about 12 by then. But even at 12, I was really, really upset. <laughs> well, not upset, but very disappointed as well. <sighs> so, <laughs> But it's all right to shoot the Easter bunny in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, it, it's sort because of, you know you can do that in one side and then just give him some chocolate and they'll forget all about it. Uh, that's a very good point, actually. That's a very good point. Did you get any Easter eggs this year? I got a chocolate bunny. Yeah, I got a chocolate bunny too, a little one. That was um, fine because I just stole everybody else's Easter chocolate. That kept me going. <laughs> well, I have the remains of my chocolate bunny in a little bowl beside me here on the desk, which. Should I get peckish halfway through the recording? Are uh, they available? But we probably have to edit it out because imagine it'd be really, really noisy. <laughs> oh, everybody loves the sound of eating on a podcast. I think it's the number one favourite thing everybody has. Please, yeah, chomp, 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 cham, cham, cham. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll try not to subject our listeners to that at least. So I think we've got a uh, a quite an interesting packed show today. There's lots and lots of things in the show notes to talk about, uh, which um, smaller things maybe we're, we'll have to try and fly through them. Otherwise, we'll be here till Wednesday, I guess. Yeah, that's not a good idea. Since you have to edit, we probably ought to. Yeah, but, but get, a, get a wiggle on, Aid. Get a wiggle on. Well, let's start with something that is inherently slow. Then, um, uh, which is pinhole cameras. Yes. Um, yeah. I've lots to talk about pinhole at the moment. I think so, and I think this is one of those ones where you and I have very different, uh, very different ideas of what constitutes fun with regard to pinhole cameras and pinhole photography. Because um, we we talked about this a little bit last week, didn't we, Rachel? Uh, and 
uh, I was quite inspired by that and by the F slash D pinhole book that I'd rec- uh, I'd uh, uh, acquired that had just been delivered, my uh, Kickstarter award. And so I've actually spent some time looking at, at, at pinhole cameras over the last week, you know, really thinking, do you know what? I haven't got one of those. Maybe I should buy one. And uh, I know that you, you know, speak very highly of the Ondu, uh, as do others uh, that you have. And, and the other one that people talk about quite a lot is the reality so subtle stuff. So I've been looking this week at high-end pinhole cameras. Um, but I understand you've been coming at this from a slightly different direction. Yeah, well, it'd be funny if today, actually, I have been out with the Ondu. I took my Ondu out because I thought, oh, I'm going to, you know, if you don't get one yourself, I thought, oh, well, I'll probably bring this down to you before. So I'll, I'll get a roll of film shot through it before I do that. And so I've had that out today because I do love my Ondu. It, it is a great camera. Um, I've got the 6x12 multi-format. And, of course, as the name suggests, the big advantage with that is that you can change the format so you can use it to shoot 6x12 negatives, which are humongous, or you can shoot 6x9 or 6x6. Um, and it's really nice having that versatility, although if you're like me, then you think, well, bigger is almost always better. Um, it's not a pocket-sized camera, as Rachel was mentioning last week. I'm not sure which Ondu she's got. To be honest, I can't imagine any of them are pocket-sized cameras unless you've got big pockets um, <laughs> because they're all lovely and wooden and fantastic. But, yeah, I do do love my Ondu. Um, but, yeah, I have... Um, I had a day off yesterday, which is a real novelty for me at this time of year because it's always super busy in April and May. Uh, but yesterday was Easter Sunday, so even I took a day off. And um, I had my boys with me, and we were over at Will and Sinead's where my darkroom is. So I thought, okay, I'm going to have a bit of fun in the darkroom and making stuff. So the first thing I did with them, which is something I've been talking about doing and getting the stuff together for since I think before Christmas, which is having a go at making one of these beer can pinhole cameras, um, which is so easy. It's un- unbelievably easy. All you need is an empty beer can that you've taken the top off, some black card, some uh, gaffer tape, and some um, paper, some um, oh, black and white paper. Um, so... I made my pinhole camera. That was nice and easy. And then trying to test the exposure out with the boys. So, okay, let's just do this. Um, the idea being that we figure it out, do one shot, and then they could all have a go at making one. But the light was incredibly changeable. And so every shot was either black or white, as opposed to black <laughs> and white. Um, but it was good fun because we'd go, we'd take a picture, and then we'd dash back in, chuck it in the trays, and they, they just enjoyed the whole dumb process of it. Did you get so anything that, at all then? <laughs> yeah, actually, the final one, I did get one final decent image out of it, so that was good. But I think what I'm going to do with that one, and also I'm going to make with a load of other ones, is I'm going to do it, set them up for doing solography, which is exactly the same as you, know, you make it in the same way. The only difference is you stick the paper in and then you leave it there for months and months and months, as we talked about, I think, last week. Um, but I need to get some more paper because I'm nearly out of all my uh, black and white papers now. So I need to make a trip to secondhand darkroom and get some more stuff. Um, but whilst I was in the darkroom and mucking around with stuff, I, and I thought, well, I need to really start thinking about my pinhole camera for this competition. Um, as we talked about a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where we started the competition now for Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day. And it's not about getting the best pinhole shot. It's about making the best by which I mean most interesting or craziest or stupidest or whatever, you know, seems fit, but most interesting 
pinhole camera possibly uh and i want everyone to have a go at doing it because it's great fun and then just send pictures of your dumb pinhole cameras uh, to us on instagram or wherever anyway i talked last week about my idea and rachel and i had come up with the same idea so this is obviously it has to be a good idea if rachel and i both came up with the same idea mm-hmm. um incidentally Rachel's doing an amazing job on Instagram as we speak. She was a fantastic guest last week and been fantastic on Instagram. So thanks, Rachel. You're far better at that than I am. Um, Anyway, our idea was to make a camera out of a fruit or vegetable (laughs) because it's the obvious choice. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to have a go at doing this. Um, I was at my partner's house. Okay, what is there here to make a camera out of? Now, choice was limited because some things are obviously not going to be suitable. Lettuce, for example, isn't going to work. Um, and apples, no, that's not that's not going to fly. Um, tomatoes, clearly not. So my first attempt was with a pepper. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried ma- tried making a camera out of a green pepper. I did take a couple of photos of this. So at some point when I'm back on the Instagram feed, I will share these. Um, you know, I'm not sure the pepper is the one. Um, <laughs> did it give a color? Did it give a color cast? <laughs> well, I mean, that was the first thing, and I, I realised that when I say I made a pepper cam, your first question is probably likely to be. Um, well, I'm assuming you use the red pepper, Graham, because if it's red, maybe it'll at least filter the light through so it won't affect the paper. No, I used the green one because it was a bit bigger. Um, for all the peppers look like solid objects, they have very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Aid, where it lets quite a lot of light through? Translucent? Not, uh, translucent, yes. They're surprising how much light they let through. So there was that problem. Um there's also the problem, so I, I cut it in half and scooped out the guts, the inside guts bits, um, and then I kind of cut a little hole and jammed in this pinhole. Um, not terribly well, because I'm working with a pepper here, so you can't really stick things to peppers because they're quite slippery, so <laughs> nothing can stick to it, not even masking tape or duct tape. Um, and then I shoved a small bit of paper in the back, which I think moved around quite a lot. And then I got my duct tape and just sellotaped around it the first time, just joined it back together and tried that. But of course, light was just pouring in through everywhere. So that was no good. So so then I just wrapped the whole pepper in duct tape. So it was like the world's worst Easter egg. Instead of getting a lovely chocolate egg wrapped in tin foil, you had a a pepper wrapped in uh, duct tape. Um... (laughs) Uh, or still didn't work terribly well. Um, the paper kept falling out and light kept squeezing in. I did get one image where you could see that, that a picture had come through the pinhole. You can just about make up, if you squint and I've told this there, you can just about make out a picture of Ronald in there just. Um, but that was the most successful I got with it. So I don't think that the pepper cam is going to catch on Um so I will be looking to uh, another vegetable um, moving forwards. Uh, I'm thinking maybe some sort of squash or <laughs> melon might be an idea. They've got that harder shell. Um, I did look at a pineapple. I thought oh, that that could be quite, but I'm not sure. how. Um, but anyway, you know, I've got time yet to perfect it. But for the record, 
I would advise against using a green pepper as a camera. Um, okay do you know what's going through my head here i think it's time to paraphrase that that old classic uh phrase uh saying about about a tomato and i think it needs to be something like this in this instance Uh, um, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit wisdom (laughs) is knowing not to try and make a camera out of one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i think that's the thing the pepper experience is definitely put me off the idea of using a tomato as a camera i'm i'm, I'm not going to try that so I, I i've attained wisdom i've attained wisdom i'm interested Nate. just getting back to where you started with this you said you've been looking at the reality so subtle and the undos um are you leaning one way or the other with them at the moment yeah let's br- let's bring it back to actual photography rather shall we rather than flower arranging um the... how dare you <laughs> So I, 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 uh, yeah, I've been reading up on the the ondus and I've been reading up on the the reality so subtles and there's probably other pro- you know, proper you know really high engineering you know uh, brands of pinhole camera that I'm simply not aware of. So if you know of any more, let me know. Um, yeah, I think zero image is the other one that I see quite a lot of the, right. the nice wooden cameras. That right. Okay. So I have to say, uh, you know, without um, without leaving everybody into suspense i think i'm coming down on the side of the reality so subtle possibly in a six by twelve because you know me i do like a two to one format uh and uh the the reason for that is is relatively straightforward it's that they have the offset pinholes so that you can uh have the horizon line not in the middle of your photograph yeah i think that's a very good reason um i mean they are for all that they're doing the same thing they both have wildly different um pros and cons uh, the ondu is a, a more beautiful camera there's no two ways about it the ondu is a really lovely looking camera and beautifully crafted and of course with the ondu 6x12 you also have the option of the different frame spacing but um the reality so subtle does have that offset pinhole as you said which makes a big difference if you're doing landscape stuff and the other thing which i've noticed a lot with the work of people like cory um and uh, i think not sure tina's used filters on hers but anyway is it it's almost impossible to use filters with the ondu because of the shutter um the way the shutter works whereas with the reality so subtle it's pretty easy to use a um filter on there you can just use a rubber band and stick a filter over it um so I think that's another quite key selling point. Also, Reality So Subtle is a chunk of change cheaper as well. It's not cheap, but it is cheaper. There, there is that. Although yeah, the slight downside is that they're not available immediately. So I still will probably right. need to, uh, to to borrow your undo for April the 30th for, for pinhole. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if you would be so kind. So the last thing I looked at actually was um, if I could get a body cap pinhole. Because I do own mm-hmm. quite a few cameras. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and particularly I was looking at uh, Fuji and Nikon uh, because mm. they are my main cameras. Um, the Fuji, of course, is digital, but, you know, a pinhole, you know, could be digital, yeah. couldn't it? Oh, um, absolutely. And there are a bunch of uh, generic ones on eBay and the like. Um, but I was looking at, I was trying to calculate what the... Um, and I'll need your help technically on this bit. I was trying to calculate what the uh, f-stop would be 
on these things. So, for example, I saw one that said uh, that the, the pinhole itself would be about a millimetre across. Now, two things rang alarm bells for me on that. One is yeah. that that's a bit wide, that, that's a bit too big, because I think they're supposed to be about a third of a millimetre across. Um, and the other thing was, is that, OK, well, what f-stop would that give me with the focal length on a Nikon, for example? Yeah. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out where the, I mean, the, the only thing I had to try and calculate the, the focal length was the, uh, the flange distance. Now I know that it's probably the, where a body cap would sit is probably a bit further out than the measured flange distance. Um, but I still think it would only come in around sort of F100 or something like that, or even less, which I think actually is, oh no, no, it was more less, way less than that. Because the Nikon yeah. flange distance is one of the biggest, isn't it? But it's only about 46 and a half millimetres. So yeah. uh, a millimetre pinhole would be about F50. And I thought, well, that's nowhere near small enough, is it? No, no. So do you know what the distance would be from the sensor to the pinhole, Rough, roughly? Well, it's going to be something beyond 46 mil because so so the uh now i don't this i may get this wrong but my understanding of the flange distance on a camera is from the film or the sensor to the the point at which uh i, I, can't, I it's is it the lens mount or is it the rear element of a lens i don't know exactly but i figured a body cap would be further than that yeah, I mean, I think if you're calculating the well, when I calculate distances for pinholes, I calculate the distance from the pinhole to the thing that's capturing the light. So there's a really good, um, actually, I mean, I've got the app in front of me, so I can do this now. But um, anybody who's making pinholes, there's a really useful thing you can find just on the web, just called the pinhole calculator, um, and you just feed into that the focal length and the dimension that you're going with. So. If we work on about a 50 millimeter focal length, although it might be a bit long. Um, but yeah, I mean, pinhole diameter, you're looking at more like 0.3 millimeters. Um, and that will give you an f-stop of uh, 168. So, um, yeah, I mean, a millimeter would be huge. A millimeter would be way too big for that to be any effect because the closer it is to the film plane and the smaller the size of paper that you the smaller the sensor the kind of the smaller the pinhole needs to be yeah. really to be sharp um i mean that you could because um reality is so subtle uh they he does sell just the pit the laser drilled pinholes um so you could just buy a pinhole and if you've got a body cap you could just i mean I know you're not big on DIY, but even you could just punch a hole in a body cap and um, super glue on a pinhole over it. That's pretty easy. Yeah, I could, I could do, but yeah, then you'd want to get it in the right position, wouldn't you, and stuff like that. So it's. Um, uh, I, I would think you're. I would think you're probably capable of achieving this feat. This does not sound like rocket science. No, no, no. I'm not saying no, but if I'm going to do this, I'd like to do it nicely. You know, um, it's it's. Uh, yes, I am quite capable of gluing two things together. <laughs> mm. I mean, when you say the right position, do you mean in terms of distance from the um, distance from the film plane, or or you know, just centered in the pinhole? Well, centered in the pinhole. Do I to, do I choose to do it, try and do something like reality so subtle and make it raised slightly so the horizon appears lower in the frame? Um, ah, I see. Yeah, you know, it's it's that 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 kind of thing. I yeah, you know, and and yes, for a couple of quid, I could you know, I could have a go, couldn't I? Um, yeah, mm. that's that's no big deal. 
Um, but I am, I am tempted. I have to say, quite tempted. I, I, yeah, I really. I mean, the other thing that the reality so subtle seems to have over the on is holy cow they make some sharp images they really do and you look at the pictures on the website and they look incredibly sharp but also you talk to people like tina uh, and like cory who've both had them and used them a bit on the show and have both said yeah they are really sharp i mean i i'm quite tempted by a reality sort of subtle <laughs> camera um because uh yeah they they do take beautiful images um but yeah you know you, you do you are stuck with that one size and um and it just it's just not it's a very functional camera um which is yeah what you want really as opposed to a beautiful object which the ondu is so yeah yeah no i can say i definitely not against the ondu it, it was just sort of the thing that tipped me over was that horizon thing really um, mm. so yeah anyway anyway so it, it sounds like then if if uh we can make the logistics work that i might end up with an undo for this year's world pinhole day anyway so yeah i'll, I'll try and get organized enough to get that in the post to you before <laughs> well <laughs> let's see how that goes that I'm would very be... good at being <laughs> that would be splendiferous thank you Right, well, time for me to have a, a, a little whinge, a little whine, a complaint. Uh, these are definitely um, middle class first world problems. But, uh, you know, hey ho, uh, I'll try and make it as uh, light touch as I possibly can. And Graham, just uh, be sure to tell me to shut up if it gets a little bit too long winded or if you think I'm just being unreasonable. Don't worry, you can count on me. I know that to be true. <laughs> anyway, so here's the thing, right? So you and I have talked any number of times about the fact that I don't do my own developing. And so I'm sitting here this evening as we're recording and I am really impatient because I've got some films I'm waiting on to come back from labs. I've got two rolls of 110, uh, which are off with one lab because uh, there are not that many labs in the UK that process it. Uh, waiting for them to come back and hopefully there'll be something for our cheap shots challenge on those but it's difficult to tell so this week yet again I have very little in by way of update on that challenge uh, and I'm also waiting for two rolls of 120 to come back uh, which I'm looking forward to seeing um, I had the luxury of a, a, a blue hour trip around the south bank of London um, uh, the River Thames that is uh, the other night uh, with a roll of Delta 3200 and that's one of the rolls that I'm waiting to come back so looking forward to seeing what that comes uh, comes back like that was with my Bronica so hopefully good, some good fun stuff there um, but my first little element of my wine or whinge is that I'm impatient for films to come back from the lab the second is completely the opposite so I've just had a, a very quick trip three days up to Scotland primarily to catch up with various different branches of family uh, so not a photography trip so I thought to myself well how can I make this fun without really going to have the opportunity to take any photographs so I thought what I'll do is I will slap uh, an old manual focus lens onto my digital camera my fuji and see if i can make it behave any more like an S uh, a film slr that you know the, that i would choose to shoot on a day-to-day -day basis you know that whole manual focus thing being part of the the process for me that i actually enjoy uh didn't work 
<laughs> it sort of did, sort of didn't. Um, it, my my Fuji camera is a is a um, uh, LCD uh, viewfinder only. Uh, it does have a really useful feature that you can punch in. Uh, you can zoom in to um, to to get your manual focus right, but of course that completely disturbs the flow. I found I could do reasonable manual focusing, um, but it's nowhere near as good as actually being able to see stuff and having a, a nice focus screen, you know that that uh, you can really really judge the difference on. So. Um, I don't know this probably all sounds really ungrateful doesn't it but you know I'm I don't like waiting for films to come back from the lab I can't be bothered to do my own developing and I don't like putting manual focus lenses on a digital camera well I, <laughs> I didn't mind it um but I don't like digital cameras particularly um because I don't enjoy the process of using them so um yeah does that all sound ungrateful to you um well i mean things, i can understand all these things all these terrible woes that you're suffering um i mean obviously as far as the waiting for stuff to come back from the lab i mean you know what the solution to that is it, it is just do it yourself and it is so easy and so much fun i don't know why you you are so reticent to try it um because to be honest that is not the hastily well it's not hastily part of the process for me um that's not the hiccup in my workflow I, i'm the hiccup in my workflow take for example my myopic me project so um i am currently uh, in the middle of shooting my shots for april obviously and i've shot the film you know shot the pictures in time for every month i have yet to develop the film the role of film for march but that's just in my pocket and just needs doing i'll get to that soon but I haven't. I've developed the role of film for February, and it's in Lightroom. I just haven't got as far as actually getting them out and sharing them. So the holdup isn't the developing; it's just like getting on and doing something with them. Um, and it is so much fun. And also, you save so much money with it. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure how much you spend on getting film developed every year, but I bet it's by the time you add it all up, it's not a small number. And um, when I think even just with the C41 kit um, that I bought last year, I, that cost me, I think, about £50. I can't remember exactly, but somewhere around there. But I know that I've done, I don't know, 15 or so films with it so far. And each one of those would have cost me um, six, seven pounds to get it done. So it's already way more than paid for itself and even more so with black and white stuff. So um, you, you, I still think you ought to give something one, you know, like that lab in a box um, solution a go and get over that. As to the digital focusing thing, yeah, that's not great. Um, it really isn't. I've got an older Fuji. I've got the X Pro One, which has the same ability to zoom in to focus, um, but it's never as good as it is with an analog camera because they just weren't made to do that. Um, and you're never going to quite get that experience. I, I, I always find I like the pictures more that I get from a digital camera, um, from a sorry, from an analog camera. <laughs> there's, a bit uh, of a, there's a bit of a slip for a man who presents yeah. a weekly film photography podcast. Ah, oh, it's terrible. I, 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 in the last twelve months, I have barely turned my digital camera on. I think I've taken maybe ten pictures with it. I have. I that's, wonder. That, that's almost as many as you've taken film, though. <laughs> Shut your pie hole. Um, <laughs> it, might, it might be true, but you don't need to tell anyone. Um, I wonder, like, it, 
maybe you can do this next time you feel like you want to go out with your digital you're not in the mood for shooting film but you want to try and get that experience more i wonder if you like went the whole hog get a really small memory card it's just going to limit how many pictures you can take and cover up the the um review screen on the back so you actually like you're taking pictures and you have a finite number of them you can take and you can't see what they're looking like i wonder whether you'd find you got some of the experience back just from the fact you're having to work within constraints and not chimping i believe is the technical term used by the uh, digerati <laughs> i think i think um, like a cell camera like that don't i, I think you pay extra for having all of those things removed though <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i'll cover your view screen up with um duct tape for free so <laughs> let me edit i'll do it um but yeah unfortunately digital cameras are not as good with focusing manual focus lenses they just i mean i know you don't particularly like the split prism um but i quite like that uh, and so I, I really miss that when it isn't there but still it's it's nice being able to get at least the look when you're using a digital camera yeah I, i'm so the one thing that let, let, let's speak a little bit in favor of digital cameras just for a moment then so there, oh, there are uh, a couple of things <laughs> i do like about my digital camera one is especially when you are uh you know me i like quite high contrasty photos and, and i'm not afraid to shoot up sun in the bright sunshine and stuff like that one of the things that i find really useful is when you put it on um uh spot metering and uh the you you move the little autofocus square around the screen and the spot metering goes with it uh and you can see the impact of moving it even slightly um and you can really nail the exposure um uh, that that i really love uh and i quite like and it works even better when you when you're shooting black and white as well so you know what you see in the viewfinder is black and white and you use spot metering and it, you just nail it i do like that um but but yeah. other, other than that i I'm, I'm not massively fussed about it so anyway there, so, uh, it wasn't supposed I mean, to be I have uh, to ask, uh, sorry Aid, before we move on from this i have to ask the question that the listeners are probably wondering at as well which is why did you take a digital camera with you when you went to scotland because uh, it wasn't a photography trip, but it was to see some relatives, uh, some of whom are a little bit elderly and infirm. And I was wondering whether I would be asked to make some quite critical photographs um, that I didn't want to then take the film back through an airport X-ray machine and stuff like that. OK, that sounds like a weak excuse at best. Um, Probably, but, you know. <laughs> if that's what you're going to but come up with that's okay but I, I'm okay so I, I don't feel the need to shoot film all the time I do enjoy it very much but you know the, the, I, I'm quite relaxed about this you know it's like there's room for everybody in the world of photography that's no that's very true that's very true um, that's at Sunny16 podcast on Twitter to, to tell Aid why he was wrong to not take his film camera with yeah, him yeah yeah sure sure <laughs> happy with that happy with that right moving on because I shouldn't have a whole podcast about me whinging <laughs> no, I mean they should be one about me whinging. That'll make a great podcast. Yeah, but I don't think anybody wants to listen for that length of time. True enough. True enough. What's next? Well, what's next is Polaroid Week. Believe it or not, which has snuck up on me. Not being a Polaroid shooter myself, um, I only found out about it today, and I think this is day two of Polaroid Week as we record this. So. Um, 
Yeah, uh, interesting times. Um, I think it's been going for a while now, hasn't it? Like some years. Um, and I think it seems to centre around uh, a Flickr group that is this year called Roid Week 2017. I hate that name because it just makes me think of hemorrhoids. Well, I suspect that's the whole point. <laughs> it's a weird point for them to go with, but there you go. Um, yeah, I, I also was not aware that it was Polaroid Week. I, actually, I tell her, I think I've seen a few things pop up on Instagram. The problem is these days, there are so many of these things. It's actually becoming a little bit overwhelming. Um, what was it? There was a day we've recently had expired film day uh there was which, film which we missed day. yeah yeah we missed that there's i think last week there was film photography day uh i don't know what day that was on um we had the biff scale when no, the risk this i mean it's great it's great that there's so many things going on but it's becoming a little bit noisy <laughs> with all of these things and i think it's because there's all of these groups and all these people who are really into going come on let's do this and and getting the community active but there's so many different voices all at once it's like oh my goodness you know i'm sure we'll be hitting holger week before too long um and who knows what else there is going to be turning up but yeah anyway that was my little moan i love the fact that all these things are going on i cannot keep up with them all um please can can somebody for next year just make the film photography events calendar of the year and send it to me so i can go okay this week is black and white week this week is the fp4 party next week is the red scale week the week after that is the tmax party then we're on to holger week uh and so on and indeed so forth see um, I, i'm gonna need to challenge you on this actually because yeah so you're right it is getting busy but i see that as a good thing i see that as a uh a, a, i don't know whether revival is the right word but i see that as as a a growth in the film photography community and a growth in the interest in all different forms of the, of film photography and i think that's a really positive thing oh it's, i think i agree i don't think it's a negative thing at all but i don't think it's ideal that they are all happening around the same time and kind of going one on top of the other on top of the other um there's a reason why there's months between christmas and easter it's because the marketing departments went well, if we just have easter straight after christmas no one will be interested um and i think it would be better <laughs> if they were a bit there was some breathing room in between them because you you cannot look forward and think about the next thing because you're in the middle of the thing before it um and in the five second lifespan these things have when they're flashing up on Twitter and Instagram, um, particularly with a photographic medium, most of the time you're seeing the pictures like a few days after the events ended anyway. Like, oh, oh, I missed that. <laughs> that well, that was good. Oh, gonna, oh no, gone. Um, so it's, it's not that these things are happening. I think it's great that they're doing and I think it's fantastic that we're getting these community events going and that people are getting involved. It's just they're all climbing on top of each other um, and in a medium which requires a little bit of time to get film developed and stuff like that. It's just, it's a hashtag minefield. And you just, I, you've, well, you've, uh, see, there we're getting to the truth of it. You've always hated hashtags. And I think you've got a little bit of FOMO going on here because you like to be involved in everything and you don't want to be missing out. That's what it is, isn't it? 
I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I certainly do look back on the things that, like we've talked about, like like the Biff scale thing and um, the expired film. And I like, oh, yeah, I, I would have liked to got got involved and done stuff for that. But um, wasn't organized. And <laughs> they're gone. It's like, well, um, do you know which, what day was film photography day? Aid? Film photography day. It was last yeah. Wednesday. Was it or Thursday? <laughs> I see, every day is um, film. So that one is a little bit odd because to me, because every day is a film photography day to me. Yeah, I agree. But as a film photography podcast, a exceedingly niche film photography podcast, the fact that we don't actually know what what day film photography day is. Also, who who decided what day film photography day was? <laughs> Where was that meeting? Why weren't we invited? Ah. Can we get back? let's get back to talking about hemorrhoid week shall we no let's not it's done now right okay so this week is roid week um everybody uh who is interested uh there is a Flickr group roid week 2017 uh that you can search on i've tried searching th- uh for a a sort of a, a, an official uh twitter account um, uh, but doesn't seem to be one i don't know if there's anything on instagram is there graham that is a sort of uh, an official representative of this activity no i've not seen anything just the hashtag okay in which case then uh I think we're good to move on and probably nobody in an official capacity for this event has heard your whinging, so... <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm all in favor. Uh, are you going to be doing anything for it? Is Roid Week, is this... Is it just about Polaroid stuff? Um, or is it just instant filmics? I mean, I suppose if it's just Polaroid stuff, are we talking about Polaroid cameras or are we talking about Polaroid film? Because one of those things doesn't exist anymore. Well, indeed, one of them doesn't. I- I'm seeing a lot of um, impossible on SX-70 kind of you know, narratives. Yeah. Uh, I'm also seeing quite a lot of Instax wide, actually, as well. So um, so uh, I don't know. They don't, don't seem to be seeing much in the way of Instax Mini, but uh, I mean the bulk of it is impossible film, of course. Um, I I am going to um, because the closest I've got, well, I've got my Instax wire. I could use that, but um, I've still got one pack of FP three thousand B that I have been hoarding for a while. Uh, but when I say hoarding, I recently realised, oh, it's it's in the glove box of my van and has been there for a few months. So I've come to the realisation I just need to use it. Um, and you remember last year when I tried making a pinhole camera with Impossible Film and it turned out to be a disaster. I went, well, I'm not going to do that anymore because that's just stupid. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so as, as it's nearly pinhole, I'm going to use my last pack of FP3000B in my complete failure of a pinhole camera because I'm pretty sure it'll work this time. Okay. And also, I don't know how much it upsets people when I do it. That's the real reason, but that's okay because you know art is supposed to challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I when I shot the pack of um, film last year through my uh, uh, whatever it was, um, Polaroid 100 Lang camera, it wasn't the, the stuff had obviously expired. It wasn't performing terribly well. So, like, well, you know. I mean, I may as well just put it in a pinhole camera and really shoot it in the foot. That's because two wrongs do make a right. <laughs> of course they do. Of course they It'll do. It'll be great. It'll be great. So It'll be great. I, might, I might build that tomorrow. Okay, well, there you go. See, killing off two festivals with one attempt. Excellent. Good yeah. man. Right, let's move on. So um, you particularly wanted to uh, talk about an email that you've received this week. 
Yeah, I certainly did. Uh, just wait one second now whilst I find Sydney. <laughs> it's really complicated. I'm enjoying that. I, I, I suppose I ought to start looking for the email now. I was just having such a great time. <laughs> I, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Okay, this email is from John Burns, and I really like it because John's basically just got in touch to tell us what he's been up to lately. Um, so I'll just read through it quickly. Um, I recently had to go to New York for work and had the Sunday clear to travel with my Olympus OM-1 camera. With a limited amount of time, I decided to focus on Central Park and the Empire State Building, taking pictures of whatever I saw along the way. The views from the Empire State Building are just amazing, and I was very lucky to have a clear day. Um, in a couple of days, I got through a roll of Agfa Vista, Fuji Superior, Ilford FP4, and almost the complete roll of HP5+. Plus. That's a lot of pictures. Good, sh good <laughs> shooting, yeah. Good shooting. That is some good shooting. Um, along the way, I made sure to visit the B&H Photo Store. It is enormous. Um, it they have every is. kind... <laughs> Have you been there? Yeah. Oh, I'm quite envious. They have every kind of photographic product you might think of, including a pretty decent selection of film-based products, including enlargers. Uh, I could have spent a fortune, but restricted my purchases to a yellow filter, which is always good, and a rather clever pocket tri pocket tripod. Um, uh, he sent me some pictures of it. It looks very cool, actually. I, when I was out with my Ondu today, uh, I was thinking, because I had a, a fairly rubbish tripod with me that i picked up second hand from a charity shop which is not very good it's a bit wobbly um but a little real nice little dinky pocket tripod looks fantastic um during that sunday i managed to walk over 22 kilometers um apart from the work it was a great visit and i'm looking forward to sifting through the images created because his film's also off at the lab at the moment the new yorkers i met were friendly and every corner is a photo opportunity recommended to any photographer uh, and he's going to post some images on film as soon as he gets them back so i'm very much looking forward to seeing that um one thank you very much for the email i anybody who wants to just get in touch and tell us what they've been up to uh, i am always on board for that it's fascinating to hear um I also, I love this email because of the fact that John went to a city like New York and he knew that he basically had one free day. And so the idea of focusing down on what he's going to do and where he's going to go to try and get some nice photos. Um, he's he sent some pictures with the email that he shot on his, um, on his Samsung phone. Uh, I mean, to be honest, just the pictures he's got on his phone look stunning. So if, if that's just a snapshot of what he's going to achieve with the film, I really can't wait to see the pictures. Um, but you've been away on a few trips lately, Aid, And I know when you were talking about, well, actually, when you were talking about both going to Scotland and to Venice, you said that these aren't uh, photographic trips uh, per se, because, you know, you, you're not there to do that. But um, you have got a trip coming up to New York yourself, New York, New York. Is that going to be an event where you might try and get some pictures taken? Yeah, it is. So uh, it, it's, it'll be a challenge. So it's a family holiday. Um, so it'll be a challenge, yeah, with two young kids uh, to, to take time out. Uh, but, of course, they want to visit it, uh, all the things that they've seen on the telly. So they want to visit the Empire State Building and they want to visit 
uh, the Statue of Liberty and stuff like that. So there'll be some stuff that uh, that I'll get the opportunity to be in the right place, if you like. Um, s- don't know if I'll be able to be there at the right time. So am I going to be at the top of the Empire State at sunset? Maybe. Maybe my kids are old enough now that they can stay up that late just about um, without torpedoing the next three days. <laughs> um, but they uh, and, and who knows what clock they'll be on anyway. They've never traveled that many time zones before. So it's really difficult to it's really difficult to predict how they'll react to that. Um, so uh, but that so, so there's bits of that. Uh, I'll probably um, carve out a slice of time for myself as well. Um, I, I think the one of the good times of day uh, to to get some time on your own in our family is first thing in the morning because we're not really an early morning kind of a family. <laughs> so you know, let's say uh, I mean it, it's uh, it's going to be a fairly early sunrise, I think, because we're going there uh, late May, early June. Um, so I would imagine that sunrise is going to be at about five in the morning or something like that. But if I can get up, you know, uh, uh, maybe six o'clock or something like that when everybody else is asleep and run out for half an hour or an hour or something like that, come back in time for <laughs> breakfast, uh, you know, that, that'd that be good. Um, other than that, uh, if there is a sunset, because, of course, that would be quite late. So maybe uh, we c- uh, I can... Um, I can get out on my own at that point as well. But, yeah, I think you just have to make the opportunities work, you know. Um, it's not easy, but it certainly is my intent to uh, on, on that trip to take some nice photographs. And I think maybe rather than have a lot of photographs, it'll be trying to make a, a choice about what kind of photographs to take. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think um, when you are time-limited, as you are going to be, and as John was, I think having quite a clear plan of where you're going to go and what you're going to do can really help. Uh, otherwise, you do just end up wandering around like a little lost soul. I, I do anyway. I'm terrible. I I often think, well, I'm going to go into Oxford and take some pictures and I'll just get there with no real idea of what I'm doing and traipse around um, and then come home with nothing if I'm not careful. Yeah. Um, there, there is always so, yeah. there is always that risk. I think one of the things that uh, you know, going back to John's email, um, he's, he's he's absolutely right. Or every corner, or almost every corner, especially in Manhattan, um, there is a photographic opportunity. Uh, you know, when we go, we're staying in uh, just off Times Square. Which sounds insane, I know, but uh, apparently the uh, the building we're staying in is quite tall and it has very very good glazing. So, <laughs> uh, but that does mean that all I need to do to get some interesting city night shots is to go down the lift, walk about a hundred yards, and I'll be in Times Square. So I could yeah, go out for th- I could go out for thirty minutes and take some some nighttime photographs of Times Square, which could be really interesting. Yeah, that could be fantastic. That really could. Um, God, yeah, that's gonna be insane being that close to Times Square. Uh, it, it, cool. It's, it's, yeah. It. <laughs> to be fair, um, it, pretty much everywhere you go on that island is enormously noisy. Um, you, it, the the thing that gets you away from the noise is the height. I, um, I've been advised. Uh, so you want to make sure you're uh, you know, at, the, at least 10 stories up where you sleep at night, if you can possibly be that. No, good tip. Good tip. Um, and 
will you try and sort of have an idea in your head of what you want to take pictures of before you go there? Because you were quite disappointed when we spoke about the stuff you got when you came back from Venice. Because as you, I said, it wasn't a, a trip where you went there to take photos particularly, um, but nonetheless, you weren't particularly thrilled with the ones you got when you came back. So how are you going to avoid running into that situation again when you hit New York? That's a really good challenge, actually. Um, I'm already doing a bit of reading. Uh, I was given a book a couple of weeks ago called Photographing New York, um, uh, and that's that's something I'm using as inspiration. Um, I haven't done a lot yet. Uh, it's a good, actually, it's a really good point because I, I probably should do more. I mean, I've got a few weeks to sort it out, obviously, but maybe I should make a shot list. Maybe I should make a location and shot list. I remember last time I went, uh, which was without the children, um, just me and the wife, uh, I used that app, The Photographer's Ephemeris. Have you heard of that one? Uh, yes, I have. It's one of these apps that lets you uh, put when you put in a location, it will show you uh, where the sun rises, where the sun sets, what times. Uh, it'll do the same for the moon, I think, as well. So you can have and you can see, you you can work out um, where's going to be a good place to shoot that's going to have good light or what time exactly what time you know to the minute you know that you'd need to be in a certain location, what way you'd need to be pointing and stuff like that and it works really well in conjunction with something like uh google street view um you give you an idea or, or google earth to give you an idea of what you'd actually be able to see at certain points so um yeah that, that's that's a good challenge i shall do that remind me of that in a week or two and um i will say then that i've not done anything and then remind me again a week or two after that and maybe i'll have started working out a plan i remember years ago at this point um listening to a podcast with Ah, uh, now, I'm not sure which photographer it was. It might have been, is it Trey Radcliffe? Is he a photographer? Well, he is. He's, he's the um, the king of HDR, isn't he? He's an American he, it, chap, serial yeah. entrepreneur, moved his whole family out to New Zealand and runs a, a, a photography empire from there. Does very well for himself. Yeah. I think it might have been an interview with him I was listening to. Um, anyway, it came up about, going to a new place and taking photos and how to get the best from it and one of the things that was talked about was that before this person if it was trey radcliffe it might have been somebody completely different but it doesn't really matter he would um seek out the work of photographers in that area already not just pictures of the area, but photographers living in that area, um, whether it's through Flickr or you could do it through Instagram or wherever, but to see where people are going. Because obviously, if you're looking at just general tourist shots, you're going to see a lot of the very similar stuff because people go to the same places. But if you can get plugged into a bit of local knowledge, and I think he was saying he would actually get in touch with people, say, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm coming to this area have you got any tips on where to go and what to do? So um, it might be a good shout out. If we have any listeners in the New York area um, who can offer some advice on cool places to go and see, uh, get in touch. I don't know. We uh, Other than um, Dave Bias, as aforementioned, who's in the area, isn't he, Aid? Uh, yeah, I believe he, he, he's based in Brooklyn, I think he said. 
Yeah. So, um, but we may well have other people out there who are living in New York. So if you are from New York and you've got some pro tips for aid on getting some cool pictures that are maybe a bit off the tourist track, then drop us a line at the sunny 16, oh, it's just sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com. Um, an email address, which Rachel last week informed me that I probably ought to put on the internet somewhere to make it easier to get in touch with us. So I'll definitely get around to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've even been toying about it with the idea um, idea of declaring some sort of uh, Sunny 16 podcast meetup in New York if there are people I- in the area. Well, there you go. When is it you're going to be in New York, Aid? Um, I think it's uh, the very first few week, uh, f- first few days of June, I believe. So there's there's the. Let me have a quick look on the calendar. Uh, right. Hmm. Okay. I think we might be flying out on about the 27th or 28th of May. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, so it's going to be the 29th, 30th, 31st, maybe, or something like that. I don't actually know what days I'm going, but it's about then. (laughs) Well, there you go. If you're in New York and you fancy meeting up with Aid, then um, drop us a line and see if you can get something organised. That sounds ace. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going to smuggle me in your suitcase, right, Aid? Yeah, yeah, because the Americans, <laughs> they really like it when you smuggle stuff into their country. <laughs> They're very welcoming. Right, it's that time of the show where we like to do some shout outs uh there's some good stuff actually in this list this week um it's quite a rich picture to to paint for you in this little here podcast uh first of all we are going to visit our flicker stream which we haven't done on the show uh for a few weeks now uh rest assured we do look at the flicker group uh all the time and it's great to see so many new things coming in um and uh graham and i are just gonna for the next minute or two pick up a a couple of favorites so i'm going to start actually with a member of our Flickr group now that we haven't uh, seen before somebody who's new to our group and um, forgive me i'll get the pronunciation wrong Uh, the name is egil gar i think Uh, and egil has posted uh, a couple of portraits actually one of which is in color uh, taken apparently of a, a chap called bjarn uh, on a Mamaya camera uh, doesn't say which one uh, but uh, it the the lighting of this portrait is just awesome and the detail in it uh, from being a, a really good quality medium format camera is is amazing so uh, uh, you know have a look at that folks uh, as always the sunny 16 podcast Flickr group um, and uh, enjoy some of Agil's work as well Graham what would you like to pick out uh, well, I'm just looking at the first couple of the most recent ones, actually. Um, pictures by Robert Dungan. Uh, I love the fact that we've talked about Robert's stuff before, but he shares loads of really cool pictures um, from Colonial Williamsburg. And I just love seeing these old wooden buildings because it's the kind of style of stuff we, we just don't get in Britain at all. Um, they're, they're just really cool buildings and shooting them with cool old cameras and stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I, I really like that stuff. It's always in, intrigues me. Yeah, it's it is. It's um, it, it's uh, it's the sort of thing you'd expect to see in uh, like a Huckleberry Finn TV show or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, 
<laughs> but yeah, no, uh, but good good stuff. Right, next on the list, uh, some Dan Smith photos. Actually, Dan has uh, been posting to our group recently a number of uh, medium format pinhole cameras uh, with a, a vertical panorama aspect ratio. Uh, these are really quite different. Um, they just give you pause for thought. Flickr doesn't show them particularly well because what you get is a sliver on your screen about uh, an inch wide. Um, but there's uh, one of a pylon, another one of a tree. Um, it's an interesting, an interesting take on pinhole photography. Uh, the one I'd probably pick out most, though, is called Spiral. Uh, and this is in a building uh, with a spiral staircase. But the way it's set out, the spiral staircase actually occupies the top half of the image. The bottom half is, is the floor of the building that uh, it's on with some uh, some lines going off into the distance uh, of flagstones it must be placed on. Uh, that's a pretty awesome shot, Dan. Uh, and in fact, actually, I hadn't favorited it. So here, list, listen to my mouse click if you can. Probably doesn't come through, but that's me favoriting <laughs> that shot. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I really love those ones. Dan's been using an Ondu pinhole, funnily enough, the 6x12 we were talking about earlier. And um, it, it is really, uh, you don't see them often used in the portrait format because obviously it's, you know, it's difficult to find stuff to frame up in that. And, and when you don't have a viewfinder, it makes it all the more tricky to get things well framed in it. I really love the picture of a tree he's got on there. Um, the picture is just great and it's so well composed, which is a real achievement um because it is tricky to compose well with a pinhole camera um yeah i really like that um dan's shared quite a lot of stuff another person who shared quite a lot of pictures lately is slavic carvas um who's got loads of awesome stuff including one it's a hashtag tmax party see i told you ain't no party like a tmax party um loads of cool stuff um just all sorts of different stuff. I'm looking at one now um, of some um, a little cops of trees. Um, I'm going to read what the title is. Uh, Zepsuti Focus, also known as Zezowati TLR. I don't know what <laughs> any of that means, but I like the picture and I love the title. So that's awesome. Cool. All right. So my my last pick for, for the moment uh, is from our good buddy, Eric. Uh, this is there's a couple he's done like this actually but this one is particularly effective so this is a a diptych uh, and it's of I don't know it, it, that that classic uh, American eroded volcano stack that you see in all of the cowboy movies um, uh, uh, where it's shot I'm not entirely sure that it says actually oh no it says Sendona Arizona so yeah a proper Arizonan landscape Arizona yeah Arizonan landscape uh, the left uh, shot of this diptych is pure landscape and is focused at infinity, I guess, so is nice and sharp. Uh, the right-hand one is actually uh, part landscape, part portrait, and it's a picture of uh, a lady, uh, possibly Eric's wife, I don't know, it doesn't say, actually, I don't think, um, and uh, the lady is holding a, what looks to me, and I'm not very good at this, it looks to me like one of those classic uh, folding land cameras, the Polaroid land cameras, uh, and, and because it's part portrait and it's close up, actually, uh, the, uh, what do you call it, the, the landscape bit of it is out of focus in the background. So although you've got a, a contiguous picture uh, across 
two frames of this diptych. Uh, the left one is in focus and the right one, the background, is out of focus because the, the subject is the person. I think that's brilliant, Eric. Um, I've never seen anything like that before. Uh, it's awesome stuff. Yeah, the half-frame cameras, the Olympus pens, do lend themselves to diptychs so well. And the um, the pen F, FT, did you say eight? Sorry. Um, Something like that, yeah. It, you, that is the flagship camera that you can actually can focus and so you can throw the background out and have yeah it's great it's super effective really really cool shot um my last one things i have to pick a last one and um can't just go through all of them is i'm gonna give a nod to what we were talking about earlier when we were talking about pinhole cameras and this is a shot by alex purcell good friend of ours alex purcell um at grainy blur on instagram and this is a shot he's taken with a zero image 2000 pinhole camera. And it's a great shot of a body of water with some trees in the background and a swan moving with it. And of course, because the swan's white and moving, it, it's got like this white ghost swan blur passing through it. Um, but yeah, it's a six by six image. Uh, looks nice and sharp it's good yeah i definitely think the, the zero image cameras are well worth a look um i know that uh ian k is also another zero image shooter so might be worth checking out whilst you're checking out pinhole cameras mm, yeah okay something to ponder there right moving on then um i uh would like to give a shout out this week to uh, a fella called abe um, he and I have been swapping emails. Uh, I contacted him actually having seen something about his work on the internet somewhere, maybe Twitter, maybe Instagram, can't remember which. Um, but what I'd like to point everybody to is Abe's work on a thing called the Film Lab app. Uh, best found on the internet at filmlabapp.com. Now, this is a really interesting idea that he's working on. Uh, he's in his spare time at the moment. Um, and uh, what he's trying to do is to create a phone app that acts like a really competent scanner, a film scanner, that is. So what you would do is you would put your negatives on a, on a light box, so just flat on a light box, and you would use your uh, phone to take a photograph of that. Now, maybe people are doing this already, don't know, but this is, there's a couple of little extra add-ons that Abe's working on. Uh, first of all, is he's working on some stuff uh, like a sort of a punch-in focus kind of thing, like uh, you and I were talking about on our Fuji cameras earlier, Graham, so that you can make sure that you were really getting that uh, as close as you could, but still in focus so that you could get make, make use of the most number of pixels. Um, second thing he's working on is that it can maybe take, uh, it will be able to, I should say, take uh, a photograph of a whole strip of negatives and automatically cut them up for you so that you'd get you know, nice little discrete shots. Um, and one of the other things he's working on, I know, is uh, actually to automatically convert that negative photograph into a good quality positive photograph to actually process what it, it takes as well once it's got those photos and, and turn negs into positives. So what you'd end up with is just, you know, from taking uh, 
let's say you had uh, just the one negative, uh, you could end up with somewhere between, I don't know, 8 and 10 megapixels of, of film scan really, really easily uh, from your mobile phone, uh, which sounds great. Or alternatively, if you wanted to do things quickly for, you know, just to check what's going on, um, you could take a picture of four or five at a time, maybe, in a strip of negatives um, and get them all at a couple of megapixels each. Um, and... Uh, you know, work with it, work with them that way, and decide which ones you want to do more properly. So, um, you know what? Uh, I'm really impressed uh, by this and and by by the ideas behind it. It's work in progress at the moment, um, and uh, one of the things that Abe is hoping to do is to bring it to a Kickstarter. Um, not started yet. Um, in our uh, email exchange, he said he's hoping to get there soon in 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 a, in a few weeks, um, hopefully, uh, to launch a Kickstarter. And uh, I've actually invited him to come on the show when when that launches to tell us all about it because I think it would quite be interesting. Um, and we'll see uh, see what happens. What do you reckon about this as an idea, Graham? I really like the sound of it. Um, I think I tried to use another app you may have suggested to me in the past or somebody suggested to scan in negs and um, didn't have much luck with it because it wasn't on a light box or something like this. So um, I think if you can get because the focusing is the hardest thing i um getting it to focus accurately on it um and then do all the stuff it could be really useful it really could uh, i i obviously i don't think you're ever going to get quite the results you get if you've got a quality dedicated scanner but that said if you're traveling or you just don't want to spend the money on a scanner which is perfectly reasonable i think this could be a great thing um uh, I, and I, I think so i think even as a two-step process because i know a lot of people scan but then they have to scan everything. Yeah. Um, if you could find, if you could use something like this to do scans, it, it, almost like um, like like contact sheet, you know, type of scanning. So you could get, okay, here am I. I've taken, you know, uh, I know eight, nine quick and dirty shots uh, of a strip of negatives. So I've now got my whole roll of thirty six scanned to about two megapixels or something like that certainly uh, enough to have a good look at them see whether they're in focus uh, and whether they're worth scanning properly or not because i know scanning takes a huge amount of time doesn't it and if you have to scan 36 photographs and then only about five of them are in focus that must be quite soul yeah. destroying <laughs> uh yeah i mean i think the thing for me is that you mentioned it in an email you sent him um is about this idea of perhaps having something to physically hold the phone at the right distance above them because i think that would be a very useful thing when you're trying to take a photograph of of a, a flat surface whether it's a, a negative or a print or whatever um that focal plane is very shallow and so the slightest movement up and down which is inevitable can really make quite a difference and so it would be great if you could get the app and maybe just or just give advice to people on okay just do this to make it work good um but yeah i, I think it's fantastic and uh, we were talking before the show we would like to in the the coming weeks um next week or some point soon actually do a, a bit of a roundup of the apps that people use uh, that they find useful um with film photography and related things and we've talked about a few tonight the uh, the pinhole calculator app that i've got on my phone um the photographer's ephemera at christmas time when we did the sunnies the pinhole app um was very popular with people so 
would really appreciate it uh, if you got in touch with us either in the um, Instagram post for this show, which will go up when the show goes out, or on Twitter, or by email, or whatever you want to do, um, and let us know what apps you're using, what you find useful, um, and so we can do a bit of a roundup. We can look into them ourselves because I'm sure there's stuff out there that you guys are using that we're not aware of because that was certainly the case with the pinhole app at Christmas. Um, so please do get in touch and fill us in with this stuff because these smartphones we have in our pockets are amazingly useful. I was using a uh, light meter app today when I was doing my pinhole photography. It's, it's great. They're, they're just there and, and they're very powerful tools. So I, I'd be very pleased to hear what other people are using so we can share it with everybody else listening. Absolutely, yes, uh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Right, okay, moving on to the next one. Uh, somebody that you'd like to talk about. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to uh, Robert Brown. Um, Robert dropped me a message today or dropped a message on the comment on uh, Instagram, uh, as I was just mentioning, a good way to get in touch with us, um, to let us know that he is doing the slog of going through our back catalogue. Um, he's a new listener and he said he's up to episode 13. I have nothing but admiration for people's <laughs> incredible stoic nature to chew through stuff, um, particularly as our earliest episodes were not the easiest on the ears, um, both through inexperience and <laughs> poor recording quality. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for listening, Robert. Uh, you can find Robert on Instagram at rbb images and he also has a really cool website uh, which is www.rbbimages.com where he's just got a nice photo blog um lots of really nice pictures and writing with it uh, well worth a look he's shooting all sorts of different stuff on there medium format large format really lovely colorful slide shots um looks like he's been out to italy fairly recently and um yeah just really nice work well worth a look yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, you're right about actually just picking up on one thing. Uh, the, so the, on his website, he has a, a, a gallery, uh, which has got some fantastic stuff. Uh, it looks like it has, uh, he's gone th gone through some kind of alternative processes or at least some sort of very manual processes to get some of those images. Um, and then looking at, he, he's not to go too much into the whole equipment thing, but actually uh, he has got a camera on his website that I've always been interested in, which is a Noblex medium format swing lens panoramic that creates a 50 by 120 millimeter negative. That is an awesome looking camera um, for any of you that have seen. Uh, well, I don't know what you'd think it's like. It. I mean, the only thing I know of that that's uh, like it, the uh, Lomography sell the horizon cameras, don't they? Which are swing lens cameras, um, and then there's the uh, the wide lux camera, which uh, is made famous uh, in modern times by Jeff Bridges, the Hollywood actor who takes a lot of behind the scenes photographs with a wide lux. But uh, yeah, so there's some some good stuff there, and uh, yeah, well worth checking out. Absolutely. Right. I think that, Graham, brings us pretty much to the end of our show today. And uh, last week, um, uh, Rachel uh, was very surprised, as were all three of us, uh, to see that I actually managed to close a show without making a mistake, without needing to redo stuff and retake and often it takes me a good three takes to uh to close the show bizarrely usually because i've had too much whiskey by then i suppose <laughs> tonight it's been a cup of tea though so hopefully i'll be okay do you think what's the betting that i can get through this in one go i believe in you i think you can do it 
Okay, all right, so bare bones here then, folks. I'm going to lay this all out. I am not going to edit anything from this point forward to the actual close of the show. I will let it roll, and you can see whether I can do that or not. Are we ready? Go. You can do this. Okay. You. I'm can... hoping you fill up it completely, but I think you can do it, Aid. <laughs> I have some confidence in you. It's a limited amount of confidence, and I am hoping for a fail, but I, I almost believe in you. Okay, right. Well, just to spite you, you can get in touch with us on the internet. We are the Sunny Sixteen Podcast on Instagram, <laughs> on Twitter. On Flickr, uh, we are the Sunny 16 podcast group. We've just been talking about that. Uh, we have received emails recently, and Graham talked about them today, at the sunny16podcast at gmail.com is our email address. And now for the thank yous. Uh, we always like to thank Chris at pixelatedphotographer.com for the tech support and for hosting the forums. Uh, thank you, Bill Owens, for the show notes. Uh, Graham, how are we doing with show note posting? okay moving swiftly on and of course we also like to thank kevin mcleod every week uh kevin releases a whole bunch of incidental music under creative commons license at incompetech.com uh, of the people we say thank you to actually kevin's the one that we don't know personally chris and bill of course we do um but we are very grateful to kevin as well because his music is excellent and a good place to go and get lost in the sounds right there we go. That's the thank yous. That's the mention. <laughs> You're most welcome, Graham. Uh, which brings us absolutely to the end of the show. Um, thank you. We will speak to you again next week. Uh, have a good week and goodbye. Bye. You know what the worst thing about this time of year is, ladies? I want to make a pumpkin camera, and there's no pumpkins anywhere. Should have done this at Halloween, not Easter. Shouldn't we be celebrating the fact that I got through all of that in one take? I knew you'd do it. I knew you'd disappoint me. I... <laughs> you only ever fluff it when you're going to edit it out. Do you reckon you can make a camera out of an Easter egg? <laughs> not for long. <laughs> no, I suppose not.